Welcome to another inspirational podcast from Junction 28 Church. We're so glad that you've decided to join us today and know that God wants to bless you with this message. We'd love to hear about it, so why not tell us on our Facebook or Twitter pages? If you would like further information about who we are, check out our website www.thejunction28church.com We hope you enjoy this message. your word is so freeing it's so encouraging it's so life transforming i pray that you will give me great clarity in explaining so i I thought i was going to preach before the meeting but that's absolutely it before the baptism that's okay and if you're looking for a title i've taken this from watchman knee anybody ever read any of his books yeah and he says this about water baptism water baptism is faith in action. That's all it is. So I'm going to just share this story because uh, my old pastor used to tell this all the time. And there was a a pastor in America and he was baptizing in the river. Um, Not a a cold river like we have, a very warm river. And the Holy Spirit was moving and he was having a great time. And suddenly an old alcoholic turned up, started shouting and jeering. And the pastor was quite annoyed about that. And so he got hold of him and he dumped him under the water and he says, have you found Jesus? And the man got back up and he was all fluffy. And he looked at him again and he said, have you found Jesus? So he pushed him back under the water. And he brought him back up spluttering and he just smiled at the pastor. By this point, the pastor had lost the will to live. And he put him under the water and he held him down that little bit longer and brought him back up and he said, have you found Jesus? And the alcoholic said, are you sure this is where he fell in? I thought it was funny. But there's a very simple point to that story. Jesus is not in that water. So what's the difference between you getting bathed last night and those people bathing in that water? And I want to ask three questions for you today. Number one, is baptism scriptural? When should a person be baptised? And the most important question of all, what does baptism mean? So I'm going to use lots of scripture and I believe our very technical man at the back is going to put it on screen for you. The reason I'm using scripture is because this is not just Junction 28's idea. It's not even Pastor Danny's idea. This is God's idea. And it's in the word of God and I want to show you the power of baptism in your life. And I want to remind you what is entailed in the resurrection and the life of Jesus Christ. I want you to start believing that when I finish preaching the word, what does the word of God say should happen? Following the preaching of the word should be... Thank you. Shall I turn it off? Would you like to do that for me? Thank you. Thank you. So what does it say in the word? Signs and wonders will what? I'm going to preach to you tonight. So what are we believing for after? And I'm tired. 
of seeing it in Africa. I'm tired of seeing it in other places. So I want you to start raising up in you water baptism, faith in action. I need you to start believing that we're going to see some things tonight, not for entertainment, but that God will be glorified through mere mortal beings like me and you. So my first scripture to you is, is it scriptural? Matthew 28 verse 19, therefore, Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, of the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We've been to China recently, and what the Chinese church say is, the West is very good at making Christians, but not disciples. Think on that. There's a difference. Or that we would be disciples. Mark 16, 15. He said to them, Go into all the world, preach the good news to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. Sometimes I think we've sold quite a short um, Christianity to people. Well, you just put your hand up at the back and Jesus will save you. Actually, you've got to repent. You've got to believe. You've got to turn from your wicked ways. You've got to be baptized, and then you'll be saved. So when should a person be baptized? Sorry, so just let me show you some of the people who were baptized in the New Testament. The people in Samaria, the Ethiopian eunuch, the people at Pentecost, Cornelius the centurion, Lydia, the dealer in purple cloth. I always like that bit. Um, the Philippian jailer. You will see literally thousands of people who did what Jesus told them to do, to be baptized. So I think we've made the point, and if you go through scripture, you'll find lots more examples. So when should a person be baptized? Acts 2.38, it's very interesting this. In, in Africa, where Paul and I, they do it very differently. They have mass crusades, and they tell people about this incredible relationship you can have with Jesus. And that he'll come and he's greater than any other God. And he'll heal you, he'll save you, he will baptize you. People come and respond and then they take them to the river. And they baptize them the same moment and they expect them to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Logistically, we only have baptismals every now and again. But I said to Paul this afternoon, oh, that we had them every week. Oh, that souls were being added to the church daily. I'm going to start believing for that because baptism shouldn't be once a year. It should be adding. Be baptized. Ask Christ into your life. Be baptized. Be filled with the Holy Spirit and then go and take the gospel to all people. So when should a person be baptized? It says in there, look at this sequence. First, they heard the gospel. Second, they repented of their sin and confessed Jesus as Lord of their life. You know, I have problems when they say, well, just say it in your heart. Pastor Danny spoke on confession. Really important that you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord. And third, they were baptized. What age should you be baptized? Now, this is a bit tricky because we were brought up, Paul and I, in a church where you had to be 12. You couldn't be 11 and a half, and you couldn't be an 11 and three quarter. You had to be 12. I'd suggest that's a bit of religion that's crept into the church there because if you're old enough to ask Jesus Christ into your life and you know you have a personal relationship with him, you can be baptized. 
this church does not practice um, infant baptism. And there's a very simple reason for that. Because as we've read, you have to repent, turn from your past life, confess Jesus Christ as Lord of your life. And babies can't do that. So we're not saying that actually that's a terrible thing. What we're saying is it's not scriptural. If you confess Jesus Christ to be Lord of your life, then we would baptize you. So, you know, we dedicate babies. We, we bring them and we thank God for them. Nobody loves babies more than me, do they, Ruby? No. Uh, we love babies. But you have to have that personal connection with Jesus Christ yourself. So baptism means for me three things. It means we've turned from our old life of sin to a new life in Jesus Christ. It means we are publicly identifying with the death, the burial, but also the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It means we are openly saying, I love Jesus. There's something not quite right with silent Christians. Well, it's a personal faith and I don't share it. Not quite what scripture says. So I want to show with you... Um, through the Old Testament as well as the New, what baptism means, what can happen tonight in your life. You, most of you know my wonderful husband, Paul Morris. is is amazing, aren't you, Mr. Morris? And when I got married to him, when I married him, I married him and said my vows to him. And it was my covenant vow that made I was married. I said my vows to him and I signed my contract. But then I put on a ring. This ring didn't marry me, my covenant married me. But this ring was what? It was a sign. Everybody knows I am now Mrs. Morris. And for me, baptism is just the same as you putting on your wedding ring. I belong to Jesus. My past has gone. Whatever that was, it's gone. And I'm raised up with him in resurrection life into an awesome brand new life. So that's what that does. So let's look in the Old Testament. Everybody knows the children of Israel. If you're new in church tonight, I welcome you. I'm so glad to see you. I've got something incredible to tell you in the Word of God. God chose the people called the Israelites. And he said to them, if you live by my laws and you do what I tell you, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to cause a great nation to come out of you. And they would talk about Jehovah, the God Almighty. If you were not a Jew and you wanted to be brought into being a Jew and a follower of the Jehovah, you had to do three things. And this is interesting. There was a three uh, process that you had to follow. The first was the Mila, and forgive me uh, for anybody who knows better if I'm pronouncing this correctly, but this was the first part of the ceremony, and this was the circumcision. Cross your legs, men. Um, for all of you who don't know what circumcision is, it's the cutting away of the foreskin. Very quick, isn't it, Paul? Very quick. Um, <laughs> I'm just sympathizing when you, when you went to be done, yeah. <laughs> this circumcision was an outward sign for anybody could identify with the Israelite people. And it was a painful act, I would imagine, um, but it was a sign that God absolutely 
demanded from the Israelite people. So if you wanted to worship Jehovah, that was the first thing that you had to do. You had to go through this uh, circumcision act. And circumcision was a way of demonstrating that you needed a saviour. It was a way of saying, I'm a sinner and I need cleansing. The second part of that three thing was the tabalah. That was the second aspect of the ceremony. And that was immersion in water. It was a kind of water burial. So they were dead to their old life before Jehovah, and they were alive to the new laws in God's word. So that was really important that the water buried the false gods that they'd had before, and they now came into a new life with Jehovah God. And the third phase was the Corban, an animal was sacrificed. The blood of that animal was sprinkled on the person, on the Gentile, symbolizing the need for forgiveness of sins provided through the death of a substitute. Don't you think this is awesome in the Old Testament? It's just a type and a shadow of a far better covenant that's coming in the new covenant. So that was the three-stage thing. So What's interesting for me was if you could do that and if you were a Gentile and you'd been circumcised and you'd been immersed in water and you'd had blood sprinkled on you, you would think when John the Baptist came along saying to you, you need to be baptized, what is he talking about? So he came along and we read in, in Matthew that he went around out to all Jerusalem and all Judea and all the region around Jordan and he baptized of them confessing their sin. It's not surprising then that people were a little bit reluctant. Well, actually, the Jews were like, we're already fine, thank you. We're God's chosen people. The Gentiles who'd come to worship Jehovah said, actually, we've done that. But John the Baptist was saying, the kingdom of heaven is coming. And you're going to know of a cleansing and of a purifying that is not just of the outward, but is in the inside of you. And so we started asking people to come and repent of their sin and be baptized. And the masses of people were baptized, waiting for the Messiah to come. John's message was, you need to view yourself as if you were a Gentile outside your covenant. Can you imagine what the Jews thought to that? This was hard for them to take. John preached repentance from sin and a call back to righteousness. And there was no better outward symbol than them to be baptized, to die to themselves, go under the waters and come out a brand new person. So John's doing this and people are coming. But what's interesting, some people came and he wasn't able to baptize them. In fact, it says he wouldn't baptize them. And that was some of the Jews who wanted the public act of baptism, but they didn't want to repent of their sin. Do you know you can't have both? And sometimes I think there's a message proclaimed today that you just come to Jesus and you keep living as you are and he loves you and his grace will cover you. Unfortunately, that is not in this word of God. You repent, you physically turn from your old life, you are buried with Christ and you are raised up with him. 
So then Jesus comes along and this is the thing that threw him so much, John the Baptist, because he's saying, come on, come on, repent. And then suddenly, this is what it says in Matthew chapter 3. Jesus arrived from Galilee at the Jordan, coming to John to be baptized by him. But John tried to prevent him, saying, I have need to be baptized by you. And do you come to me? Jesus answered him, saying, Permit it at this time, for this is the way it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. And then he permitted him. It was unthinkable in John's mind. Why? Because this was a baptism of repentance. This was what people did when they had sin in their lives. He knew Jesus. He knew he was the son of God. He knew he was spotless. And here he is standing before him saying, John, I need to be baptized. In John 1.29, we read, when he first saw Jesus, John the Baptist said, behold, the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He knew he was no ordinary man. He knew there was a final and everlasting sacrifice. He knew he was God's anointed. He knew he was the beginning of a brand new life for anyone who enter into him. So why would the sinless one want to be baptized? Can you see his dilemma? Can you see him standing in the water thinking, why on earth, Jesus, are you standing in front of me? Many of the Pharisees and Sadducees came to baptism, and this is what John said to them. You brood of vipers who warned you to flee from the wrath to come. Therefore, bear fruit in keeping with repentance. But he knew Jesus was pure. He knew he was the spotless Lamb of God. He knew he'd been sent by God the Father to save mankind. He wasn't about to baptize Jesus, but... Jesus, it says in Hebrews 4.15, he was without sin. Ever met anybody without sin? No. But Jesus was without sin. Jesus prevailed on John the Baptist and he said, please, John, you need to baptize me. It's not surprising then that John the Baptist appears. He is the last of the Old Testament prophets and he begins his ministry by calling for the baptism of the unrighteous. John preached repentance from sin and a call to righteousness. And there was no better outward symbol than to be baptized. But could he baptize Jesus? He could. He says here that Jesus only did the things that pleased the Father. So I believe it was a matter of fulfilling righteousness that Jesus was baptized, a command to be baptized that Jesus obeyed. And although he knew he didn't fit the symbol of needing repentance, he did it because his father commanded it. Paul and I have been studying recently why Jesus was hugely successful in everything he did. And you know, it comes down to one thing really, he only did the things that pleased the father. There's a key there for all of us. He knew that his baptism, which had been long a symbol of death of an old way of life and the beginning of a new way of life was going to be the symbol that marked every believer. And he saw right there in that river those people who've been baptized today. He saw what would be a picture of the church coming into new life through his resurrection and his death on the cross. Jesus was buried under the waves of divine judgment 
bearing your sin and my sin. Literally, we were there in his death, burial, and if you choose, you can be with him in his resurrection. Listen to Romans 6.3, that all of us who have been baptized into Christ, Jesus has baptized into his death. When you come to Christ, you are literally immersed into his death. You die with him so that all your sins are paid for in full. Whatever the enemy tells you, they have been paid for in full. When you come to faith in Christ and you are saved, you are literally immersed into Christ, which means you have been immersed into his death, but also into his resurrection. You become one with Christ. Salvation is not adding Jesus to your life. Salvation is immersing you into Christ himself. Have you got that? You don't add him, you become in Christ. It's a supernatural act that happens at salvation. In Galatians 2 it says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. The life which I now live in the flesh, I live by what? The faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I have been crucified with Christ. That's what's so amazing about salvation and baptism that available to you available to me is not just forgiveness of sins it's not just being buried with Christ but it's the resurrection life and when you study this we fall so short of taking on board everything that that means in every area of your life. I believe you're set free from addiction. I believe you're set free from illness. I believe you're set free from sin. I believe you're set free from depression. Anything that would hold you back, you have been resurrected and you live in Christ. If you can get a revelation of that tonight and release your faith, you will be forever changed. The same power that raised Christ from the dead, literally, lives inside every single one of us. Can you imagine that? Can you even begin to imagine if we live like that? What would our lives be like? The same power that raised Christ from the dead will quicken you. He says, so... Uh, Sorry, just let me go on my next scripture. In Colossians 2, having been buried with God, with Christ in baptism, that's the baptism into his death, in which you were also raised up with him through faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. When you were dead in your transgressions, in the uncircumcision of your flesh, he made you. He made you alive together with him, having forgiven all your transgressions. That's the whole point of salvation. You are raised up to be with Christ. And you might be sad here and say, I know Jesus, but I haven't got full, fullness of life. You are settling short of everything Christ purchased for you on that cross. It's not just about getting into heaven. It's not just about your old past being wiped away. It's about entering in through Christ into the resurrection life. In that life, no death can live. 
Do you hear me? No death can live. There is no power greater than the resurrection life of Jesus Christ. And we say it so glibly and we talk about it, but you have to release your faith to live into that. The resurrection power of Christ. John 14 says, if you love me, you will do what I say. Being obedient to God in baptism a test of your love to God. If you do not bear and be baptized, you don't love God. It's as simple as that. So my challenge to you tonight is you've seen people give their lives to Jesus. And I don't know if you are sat here. You could have been here every week for 40 years and not know Jesus. Do you know I used to teach a Bible class and I wasn't even saved? It's possible. It's possible to be brought up in a Christian home and never know Jesus. I want to ask you, do you know him? Not about him, not what people have told you, but do you know him? Because once you've met him, your life will be forever changed. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. I'm going to ask you to do something really, really hard. But I'm going to ask you to stand up if you don't know Jesus. When we sing our final song, I want you to come and stand here. It's time we saw some new converts in church. It's time we saw the word of God active and living. This might be your first time in church and you think, what on earth have I come to? This is the best message you will ever hear in your entire life. The Son of God, God Almighty, loved you so much that he was willing to leave his Father and the glory of heaven and come and take everything you've ever done, everything you've done wrong, everything you've thought about and nobody's known. And he take it, took it to the cross. It was nailed on the cross so that you don't have to pay that price. He did it for you. He knew you'd be sat here tonight. And he says, come on. I've come that you might have life and life to the full. That's what Jesus wants to give to you. So if you don't know him, I beg you, come and make Jesus the Lord of your life. And yeah, you die to what you want. You die to your own self. But you know what? He gives you something far better. The Bible calls it abundant life. Life above and beyond. Life supernatural. You have a destiny. You have a purpose for your life. And God wants to reveal that to you.